Okay, well, I want to uh, uh, once again just say thank you so much for allowing us to be here. We just want to be a blessing to you. Uh, I know tonight we have several guests here, I believe, from Lighthouse Baptist. But where are the, the home folks from uh, Liberty? Where are you? Would you raise your hand so I can see? Uh, the thought I'm going to bring tonight, awesome. Uh, the thought that I'm going to bring tonight will be pr- primarily to you. But I hope it will be a blessing to uh, everyone. I've got a little bit of an understanding that we're a newer uh, kind of established church here. And I'm so excited about that and uh, just want to be a help and want to be a blessing to you this evening. If you would like to turn with me to Psalm 92, we'll go there this evening. Psalm 92, I'll tell you a little bit about myself. Uh, I was a youth pastor for ten and a half years, so if I twitch and act a little crazy, it's, it's some teenager's fault somewhere. You know what I'm talking about, all right? Um, I have five children. I have two boys and three girls. My oldest is a boy. My youngest is a boy. And uh, sandwiched right in between those are three girls uh, that have made me absolutely hate Disney. You say, why do you hate Disney? Because Disney's got it figured out. Uh, if they just put those three dumb little princesses on something, whether it's a balloon or whether it's a uh, balloon, whether it's uh, well, they do balloons, uh, umbrellas, lunch boxes, napkins, whatever. Uh, what is it? Those three girls. What is it? Uh, the Snow White, Cinderella, and whatever they are. Uh, they they will cost you a lot of money if you got girls that are princess girls and things like that. Love them to death and uh, just having a blast serving the Lord with uh, our kids. Um, you know, going from a youth pastor to a vice president kind of a flashy title uh, is, is pretty tough. I told the kids, uh, the kids, I told the college students we got in the van, I said, now look at you put your phones away, no Facebook, no nothing, you'll post nothing, what happens in the van stays in the van. I said, if we've, if we've been driving for a long time and I start getting crazy, you are not allowed to get free tuition on me because you're like, hey, I recorded what you were doing. And you're like, you were saying crazy stuff. I said, you're not allowed to do that and things like that. But it was kind of a, brother, probably same for you, going from a youth pastor to a pastor, you got Constantly remind yourself, oh, wait, I'm supposed to be mature now. I'm supposed to be grown up. You, you can't, you can't say those things. That sounded funny to teenagers, but not to people you're trying to reach in a community and things like that. And I've learned the hard way as well. You know, it sounds funny to some college students, but the parents probably didn't think that was real funny. So I got to be real careful. But uh, in that process. Uh, we decided one night, I, I kind of live in a rural area, uh, a little dirt road, and uh, just about seven minutes away uh, from the college and such, and got a little bit of acreage and things, about two and a half acres, and got some two tracks and things out where we're at, little dirt roads and things, and we decided to go for a walk with the family, and, and we're walking along, and the three kids are riding their bikes, and I got Jack and Mary. It's really crazy with your kids. Our kids not crazy. We got a, I, I'm sorry, I mean, I can't be cool if I wanted to. I, I own a minivan. I'm losing my hair. I'm over 30 years old. I'm pushing 40, uh, and I got five kids. I mean, cool. I couldn't be cool if I tried. All right? But, um, you know, it's so funny. The kids, we got a minivan, and they were jumping in one time, and, and they started going, I got the backpack. No, I got the back front. No, you at the front front. I'm in the back front of the backpack. I'm like, what are they talking about? If you if you have kids, you know the farthest one of the back is the backpack. The middle ones are the back front, and the two up front are the front front. I learned all this crazy stuff. The kids are crazy. I've got my three olders, and then we have the two youngers. It's just interesting how they all get paired together. Well, the two youngers, the three are riding bikes, and the two I was pulling them on the wagon and things like this. And we went down this two-track shortly after I accepted the opportunity to come over to the college. And uh, the three kids went went away, and they were going. And I, I think I had, uh, my wife was pulling the two little ones on a, um, in the wagon. I had uh, my bike, and I grabbed, I think it was uh, Jack, uh, my youngest boy. And uh, I've got him in my arms, and I'm giving him a ride. 
And the next thing I know, out of nowhere, this uh, hornet, what do they call them, black-faced or bald-faced hornet or whatever they are, stung me right on the head. All right? You say, how do you know it was that kind of a hornet? Well, I'm not done yet. I'll tell you. How many of you ever been stung by a hornet? It, 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 it hurts a lot, but not for a long time, but for like 30 seconds. It's pretty intense. And I don't know about you, I'm just not into the pain thing. So I'm extremely, I mean, how do I tell, how do I tell my wife who's had five kids without pain medication that I have a boo-boo? You know what I'm saying? Like, that hurts. You know, I, I, I'm not going to get any sympathy there. So, but anyways, I got stung. And as I'm getting stung, I kind of let the bike go down. I didn't want to hurt Jack. And the thing just, man, it just killed me. Like, what in the world? So I, I go back to my wife and I, I'm giving, I give her a look and I'm going, what in the world? And there's this little tree that had this little branch hanging over and I'm not lying I got to videotape to prove it this thing was huge and all my kids went right by it and I'm like I'm like kids get over here what's going on hey you know what red-blooded American I'm not leaving that thing alone they're paying so I find this huge big like this huge big branch thing and I got the family went back over there and I said this I really did this I'm like in the name of the Lord die and I threw this thing and like an idiot I didn't even hit it I hit the tree and you know what that did? So I took off running and I'm laughing. Well, I turn around and guess what I learned? They will follow you. All right? And so they're coming up like, I was like yelling, you know, I'm like, ah, it's kind of scared me. I got all the way to my family or to my, my wife. My kids are riding bikes. My wife, she's like, you know, you're an idiot. I can't believe you just did that. I had this big bright red shirt on and, and I had them on me. She goes, you're on me. I'm, I'm just... Okay, you just have to understand the difference between my mom or my mom, my wife and me. My wife, you tell her we won a million dollars, she'd be like, well, praise the Lord. You tell her we lost a million dollars, she'd be like, oh, bummer. You tell me I won a million dollars, and I'm in the streets with signs going, yeah, I'm just pretty intense. You tell me I lost a million dollars, and I'm depressed. It's over. So our personality is totally different. Well, I'm just freaking out. She goes, they're on your shirt. Next thing I know, I'm ripping off the shirt. I'm running across this field. And uh, my daughter, I didn't know what was going on. Bethany, she walks up, what's wrong with Dad? I said, don't worry, honey. I'm running across this field. If you would have driven by, if you would have drove by, you would see the vice president of the Grace Baptist College running across the field in jeans with no shirt going, ah, like this. Other than Baptists are crazy. So, but uh, crazy, crazy, crazy things happen to me. And, uh, uh, but I, I have matured up. I, I will tell you this. Um, I have a lot of fun. I like to have a lot of fun. But I'm very sober when it comes to the need that is in this country. Uh, there are families that need the Lord. There are teenagers all across this country that need the Lord. There are people in this community that need the Lord. Uh, they don't know how bad they need this church. But they need a church like this. Uh, the country does not know how bad and how needy they are for Jesus Christ, but they are needy. And, uh, and that will sober you up. I like to have a lot of fun. I think the Christian life ought to be a blast. Uh, it's a lot of work. we got a lot of work to get done. But uh, if the Lord is who He says He is, He's fun to serve. He is just absolutely fun to serve. I want to challenge you just a little bit tonight. If you'd look with me for just a little bit this evening, Psalm 92, and we'll begin in verse number 12. Psalm 92, verse number 12. The Bible says, The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Verse 13 says, Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing to show that the Lord is upright 
He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in Him. We find very quickly when we look at this particular passage of Scripture, there's an illustration. Uh, God gives us, the psalmist, uh, through the Holy Spirit, gives us the illustration. And it lays out this object lesson and begins to talk about a palm tree and begins to talk about the cedars of Lebanon. I am not an expert on those trees, but just a brief uh, internet study or a brief little uh, study into some encyclopedias and things will yield some very interesting things about those palm trees. One thing is you'll learn that uh, they're pretty hard to kill. Uh, the nutrients and things are found in the heart of the tree, down on the roots and things. And uh, most trees, because of their nutrients, are found just below the bark. If you cut them down, they die real easy. But the palm trees, it's not going to happen that way. Another thing you'll find, just by way of study, is that a palm tree uh, will bend but it won't break. It's made to go through those monsoons, uh, made to go through those incredible storms. As a matter of fact, the more that they bend, the more that they bend back and forth, the stronger they get. It's like the more storms they go through, the stronger they get. And then the palm trees, uh, their depth exceeds their height uh, for several reasons. Uh, They've got to be rooted in the ground for those storms, but also when you get kind of dry areas and desert kind of areas and uh, those kind of climates, those uh, Caribbean kind of climates, uh, they've got to go far down for water. And so God says, hey, those uh, of us... Christians, we ought to be planted in the house of the Lord. And he says the illustration, the object lesson is, consider the palm trees. And then he also says the cedars of Lebanon. And if you know anything about those, they're solid, not a lot of knots. Uh, They're straight up about 100 feet sometimes. Their top roots will go straight out. Kind of a unique looking uh, kind of a a tree. Their very name in the Bible, in the Bible times, came to symbolize strength and magnificence. And uh, it was a cedar wood was used in Jerusalem for various construction projects including the king's palace and the temple. Not just anything. So we understand about the palm trees. We understand about the uh, those cedars of Lebanon. So we see that illustration. But also, now we consider the application. Okay, this is great. There's some wonderful truths about the palm trees, some neat things about the uh, cedars of Lebanon. But what is the big deal? You don't have to turn there, but Psalm 1 says this, Blessed is a man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season, his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth, shall prosper. So we see God talks about the godly. And He says one characteristic about godly people are they are planted by the rivers of water. They flourish. Things go well. They are blessed. Then Psalm 1 goes on and says, "...the ungodly are not so." says, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. So we find here in Psalm 1, the righteous and the ungodly. And one thing that we learn is the righteous are like a tree that is planted by the rivers of water. The righteous are like a tree that is planted, and the ungodly are not so. And you know, that's the difference. Saved people, they're planted, and the ungodly people, they're not. But you know what I found out in the Christian life? That not only can the lost uh, be unplanted and the saved planted, but you can also have Christians that are planted and Christians that are not planted. I want to speak to you just for a few minutes this evening on this thought potted or planted potted or planted 
Say, Brother Hagelin, what are you talking about? I want you to consider your Christian life tonight. I want you to think about it just a little bit. About your faith, about your walk with the Lord, your life. And I want to ask you, are you potted in the house of the Lord or are you planted? The word planted means to be fixed. It means to be settled. It means to be established. Unmovable. I've got a little prop tonight. I asked the preacher if he had a uh, uh, kind of a... uh, uh, one of these uh, fake trees and things like that. This is all we had uh, to use tonight. But by way of illustration, uh, this is uh, obviously it's fake, but we'll let this be the illustration for potted. And you know what? Uh, that really right there, that kind of Christianity represents a lot of, of unfortunately, a lot of people today. They're potted. The problems come, they can just pick up and they leave. And they can move over here and move over here and move over here. Then you've got those who the Bible says are planted in the house of the Lord. Have you ever tried to take a full-grown tree and just rip it out of the ground? Not going to happen. You're going to have to get some pretty big machinery in to do that. May I just say this? I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but that's what I want for my Christian life. I want to be so in and so in the right kind of thing and so involved that it have to take some huge, heavy machinery to get me out. I don't want just a little troublesome winds to blow and Derek Haglund's gone. I want to be in. You say, why? Because one day... Derek Haglin is going to give an account for his life to God. I won't have my preacher there. I won't have my wife there. I won't have my friends in church there. I won't have anything. Pardon me, I will stand naked before God with nothing but me and the life that I live. And i got enough to answer for, probably like you do. But I want to get, I want to get so in that I can say, Lord, you know I made a lot of mistakes, but I was in. I was in the right place. I was doing the right kind of a thing. Potted or planted. I want you to think just a little bit about this thought, potted or planted. And I want you to consider some basic observations and contrast between a potted plant and a one that is planted. Uh, one thought is this. A planted tree has been given plenty of room for growth. It's not limited. It can grow as big as it wants. As long as it's getting the sunlight, the water that it needs, uh, the growth is unlimited. But you take, uh, those roots can go as deep as they want and as deep as they need to. But a potted plant or a potted tree is limited to where it can go. It can only go so far. It's limited to its growth. I don't know about you, but in the Christian life, I don't want to, I don't want to stop and get to a plateau. I want to continue to grow and grow and grow. Also, a pot, a planted tree is stable. Uh, its roots are fixed. It's firm in the ground. It allows, it allows it to withstand and handle storms and high winds and rough weather. Hey, it might get some branches and stuff knocked off, but it's going to be there. It's going to be there. But may I say this? If we had a potted tree in here that was a little bit uh, taller like this, and you put it out in the field, or you put it on a deck, and let some weather come, and you'll find it in the morning knocked over, won't you? Alright? It doesn't take much to just push it over. It doesn't just take much to tip this over. And that's what I don't want for my Christian life. I don't want the devil just to say, you know what? Boom. Just like that. I want it to be tough. And I'm not looking for a fight with the devil, but I want to stand. I want to stand and stand firm. Hey, a planted tree in the woods. Think about this. Where I'm at, uh, it was funny. Uh, Lisa's from around here. Janelle's around here in this area. And I was laughing. I'm like, look, it's the lone tree out in the field. You know, and a little bit different than where we're at. We got a lot of trees and things like that. And I got to thinking about this. You take a tree that's planted in a, in a forest. Hey, when the rough weathers come and things like that, you're almost protected. It's not like being a, a lone tree or, or something out in the middle of a field. You're protected. 
Okay, uh, unlike a potted tree, it's all alone with no protection in an open target. Uh, it's an open target for bad weather. As a matter of fact, you take a potted plant and put it in my house. Okay, it's in trouble. I got five little heathens that are probably gonna knock it over and wreck it and things like that. It's 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 pretty vulnerable. Another one is this: a pot, a planted tree is exposed to the sunlight all day, every day. But a potted plant is only uh, it's it's only limited to when the sun might be able to get through the window and hit it at certain times during the day. And things that are needed for proper proper growth. With all that said, I want you to consider your Christian life tonight. Are you potted? Or are you planted? Are you fixed firm? Are you are you established? Uh, you say, well, I don't know that I'm established. I'm a newer Christian. I'm not, maybe I should put it this way. Not are you established. Are you in the process of being established? Are you adding things to your life right now that are going to help you stay in the race down the road? Are you planted in the house of the Lord? Or are you potted? You know, it's sad, but many people, I believe today, are just potted in the house of the Lord. You know what? They get angry at the preacher and they just pick up and they leave. Or something happens they don't like and they just leave. And you know what the sad part is? When you have a family uh, and you get upset or frustrated, it's not just your life. You know, I get angry at the preacher. I get angry at our church or get frustrated at some things. i got five little kids I could destroy. I could destroy if I'm not careful. And so, uh, very, very important. Here's some thoughts. Potted Christians have no depth. They're limited to how much they can grow. But you get planted in the house of the Lord, your growth is unlimited. You grow as much as you want. You know what? Uh, potted Christians, problems come, there's no protection. I feel, I feel so uh, hurt for people who don't have a good local church, don't have a pastor. You ever think about people when you see in the news, they go through tragedies and things like that, and... Uh, you're not sure if they got a church or you find out they don't have a church. And Boy, one thing that's wonderful about our home church, and I'm sure it's the same here, if somebody goes through a hardship, you find out someone you love has cancer, or someone gets in an accident uh, in your church, or you go through some hard times and you walk through those doors, and there's a bunch of brothers and sisters in Christ praying for you and standing with you, and you're not going through it alone. I feel sorry for people that don't know what it's like to have a pastor. I feel sorry for people that don't know what it's like to be a part of a good, Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church that when the tough times go, you've got a whole army there with you. I teach an adult Sunday school class, and we have our prayer time, and it's wonderful if I've got a need in my life or somebody else in our class has got a need. We're all praying for each other. And we're throwing texts, hey brother, praying for you. Or uh, uh, we're calling and saying, hey, we're praying for you. How you doing? I think about this. Potted Christians, no stability. Doesn't take much to knock them out of church or knock them off course or, or to get them away from the Lord. Hey, potted Christians, no protection. Open target for the devil to destroy at his will. Hey, no consistent sunlight. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord, they have a consistent diet of S-O-N, sunlight, from the Lord Jesus Christ. But those who are potted and in and out or aren't established, hey, uh, they start missing out and they start missing what the Lord has for them. You know what I'm afraid? I'm afraid of missing church. On, uh, and I know sometimes you get sick or work or whatever it might be. I'm always afraid, a uh, preacher, that it's the one service that I miss was God was answering one of my prayers. I was like, Lord, I never understood this part of the Bible. Or, Lord, what do you want me to do with my life? Or, Lord, what are you trying to do? And I don't understand why this is happening. And the one service where God decided, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reveal this to you. I'm going to speak to your heart. And I missed. 
and I miss it. Hey, by the way, a little side note. Have you ever had that happen where um, you might be sick or something like that, and you laid out a church not because of sin, but you just couldn't be there, and you ask somebody how it went, or you ask your spouse, and they're like, oh, it's one of the most incredible services. And then you're like, oh, I wonder if it was incredible because I wasn't there. You start, And then you're like, you're checking your whole Christian life and everything like that, and uh, all that kind of stuff. But you know what? I just don't want to miss. I don't want to miss what the Lord has for me. What am I trying to say? All I'm trying to say is, my challenge to you is get planted in the house of the Lord. The potted stuff, this in and out stuff, it's just not going to cut it. You look at me and you say, boy, you got a tie on and you run a Bible college and man, you've, you've been primed for this. You've been prepared your whole life for this. My small town again. My dad was a public school, uh, uh, high school biology teacher for 30 years in our town. If we went to church, it was on a uh, Easter or Christmas. Anybody else like that? Grew up like that? For me, it was Easter or Christmas if we were lucky. Lutheran, Episcopalian kind of a thing. I knew nothing. It was, I was 15 years old before I ever heard the gospel one time. I never had a Bible. I never saw a Bible. I might have seen a Bible in my grandfather's house, but I, I never had any of that. One night I was working uh, with two brothers that had recently been saved. Uh, two brothers that were a lot older. They were running this uh, auto mechanic shop, and I had been hired there. And uh, I was working there, and they were newly saved at Grace Baptist Church when our church was about three years old. Pastor Jenkins was about 26, 27 years old in Gaylor, Michigan, and just trying to make a difference. And I'm this 15-year-old boy. And they started talking to me about the gospel. They started talking to me about uh, being saved and about the end times. And I never heard one sermon on hell. I was scared to death. I would go to bed at night knowing that I didn't have peace with God. And uh, I, I didn't know what it was. I thought, you know, I got, I got bad language and I do some bad things. And, and, and I was so confused. I was hoping that maybe I'd be good enough to get into heaven. And one night they started talking about the end times and I was scared out of my mind. So I started asking a bunch of questions and they were new Christians. They couldn't answer all the questions. So they called Pastor Jenkins on the phone and I didn't want to talk to anybody. I was already embarrassed enough. And I took the phone call and Pastor Jenkins made small talk with me for a little bit and he asked me a question I had never been asked before in my life. He said, Derek, if you died today, do you have any idea where you'd spend eternity? you know for sure if you go to heaven? And I said, well, preacher, I said, I've never been asked that before. I said... You know, the thing that everybody says, I've never killed anybody. You know, like that's the big bad thing. So I've never killed anybody. I said, but I don't know if I'm good enough to get to heaven. I always thought maybe if I was lucky, my, my good works would outweigh my bad works and God would let me in. And for the first time in my life, he said, Derek, do you, do you know you're a sinner? And it didn't take much convincing to, to tell me I was a sinner. And for the first time in my life, explained to me that Jesus died in my place on the cross and told me the story that He shed His blood for me and that it wasn't about anything I could do that it was already done and I need to put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ that night I bowed my head I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior I've not been perfect since then but if you were to take a timeline of my life you would know that something drastically altered the course of my life in around August of the year that I was 15 years old I wish I could say I got right in the church. I did come to church a little bit and got in. But uh, I had some good influences. But you understand, uh, my dad was a Gaylor High School uh, varsity basketball coach, JV football coach, taught just about everybody and their brother in our town, driver's ed, umpire, taught, uh, you know, uh, 
taught for 30 years. My parents had gotten divorced when I was in seventh grade. He remarried in the lady that ran the emergency, the ER in our town with my stepmother. My mom still teaches in the public school. She got remarried to a prominent contractor in our town. And my name is very, very well known at, at this time of my life when we were growing up. And we were just the Haglins. We were the coaches' kids and things like that, teachers' kids. And Derek got saved. And I wish I could say I got right in, but I didn't. Our family wasn't really a church-going family. But God had been working on my heart. I'd come a little bit every once in a while. I'd go to special events. When I was 19 years old, I was at the Quality Inn Hotel in our, in our uh, town. And I was with some friends. And we would say we were partying at the time. It was anything but that. It wasn't partying. It was just messing up our lives. And God had been dealing with me. And at 3 o'clock in the morning, I got down on my knees... It was amazing, all my friends. You, you say, dear Lord, everything just kind of stops, you know. What, what, what's going on with Hank? And I remember, as if it was yesterday, I said, Lord, I know I'm saved. I know I've accepted Christ as my Savior. I know that I'm going to heaven. So God, I know that I'm not pleasing you. God has been dealing with me and dealing with me and dealing with me. I was miserable. And I just felt, you know, uh, Dr. Jenkins would say this. You know it's God when you, you hear a voice. And it wasn't an audible voice. It was louder than that. You know when God's speaking to you. And I said, Lord, I said, I know I'm not living in a way that pleases you. You say, Brother Hagelin, you run a Bible college. You're a youth pastor. You've been in the ministry for almost 14 years. You went off to Bible college. All that stuff. What was your great decision? I'll tell you what it was. January 1st, 1994. I'm 19 years old. I said, Lord, with your help, I know there's a church in this town that preaches it, preaches it straight and will give it to me the way I need to hear it. I said, with your help, from this day forward, I'm going to the house of God. I didn't know what a wonderful decision that was. But all of a sudden, if you would have been going to our church back then, you would have noticed that little Derek Haglund started coming to church every Sunday morning, Sunday night, every time, every time they were doing something, I was there. I went off to winter camp with the teen group. They let me go with the teen group. I was 19 years old. I'd never been to winter camp before in my life. Oliver Razor was preaching, and he about scared the fire out of me. There was about 35 or 40 of us. You ever heard Oliver Razor before? He, we're talking back in the day when he was just cutting it up, and there was about 35, 40 of us. And man, I was listening to him. I was sitting in the chair like this. I had my hands folded like this, and I wasn't being rebellious. Now I was in. I was listening to it because he kind of scared me. And he started saying, "Look at me with your God-given eyeballs. I see you with your arms crossed. You little rebel. You rebel." I was like, "No, I'm not a rebel. I want to get you know." And uh, God just used him to really speak to my heart. I got back from winter camp. I set up a meeting with Dr. Jenkins, and I said, I want to get baptized. I, I was struggling with that. My family was really upset that now I was one of these born-again people, you know, kind of a thing. And they were having a real hard time with it. And uh, then uh, the fact I knew if I got baptized or rebaptized, you know, it was just going to be a big issue. I remember thinking, why couldn't my sister got saved? She could be the freak of the family, and all of us get in afterwards. You know what I'm saying? I was like, why did it have to be me? And uh, but you know what? Why not? Why not? But um, I joined. I, I had a meeting with a preacher, and I said, "I want. I need to get baptized. You need to help me understand this. My family's going to ask me about it. I only have Bible reason. I want to know what, why I'm doing. I want to stand on this." And I said, "I want to join the church." The two men that I worked for, I told you about. Their name was Jim and Larry. And I said, "People would say, uh, you at the Jim? I, I go to Jim and Larry's church. I go to Jim and Larry's church." And I said, "Preacher, I don't want to call this Jim and Larry's church. I want to call it my church." 
in my church. Remember, I got baptized that day. A preacher made a big deal out of that. I got, you know, I was a big public school kid and the first first one out of our church, I think, to go off to Bible college and things. So it was a, it was a big thing for, for our church. But uh, when he baptized me, he says, Derek didn't just want to get baptized. He doesn't want to call this Jim and Larry Church anymore. He wants to call this his church. And I know we've got a couple churches represented here, but I hope that's what you feel about your church. It's my church. It's my church. It's a place where I serve the Lord. It's my church. It's not just a place where I go every once in a while. It's my church. You know, you say those kind of things when you get planted. You say, what's the big thing that happened in your life, Brother Hagelin? I got planted. I got planted. May I say this? After 14 years of being on staff, you don't think there haven't been some hard times? You don't think there's some times when maybe uh, my pastor got frustrated with me or I got frustrated with him or I got frustrated 14 years? You take the marriage, I just celebrated my 15th wedding anniversary this past Thursday. Wonderful 15 years. But I'd be lying to you if I told you they were all honeymoon for 15 years. Uh, I'd be lying to you if I said there was never an argument where I could convince my wife that she was wrong and I was right. Sometimes I take a little bit longer, right? Don't give her the tape. All right. But you know what? It's been wonderful. But I'd be lying to you if I said in 14 years there's never been a problem. But there's been something so wonderful about the longevity. You're staying in and nailing it down. I've watched girls that when I came there were in third grade and now they're in the ministry. I've watched kids, brother, go like you did, go through your youth group, and now they're married and they got kids of their own. And when you stay in for a while, you get to see some of the fun stuff. Three to five years, that's, that's not all it. But you get past ten and you start seeing the end of things. You start seeing people, couples, children, teenagers, that you thought there was no hope and they surprised you and they're serving the Lord today. It's so exciting. When you get planted... I'm so excited about this church. I think you officially started services in September. And you're on the edge of something great. There's such a need in this area. We were talking just a little bit uh, before. And uh, the passion of just sitting at the table just for a little bit and talking with some of you folks just about the passion about this church and how excited they are. And what's going to be fun is 10 years down the road, if you'll get planted, 10 years down the road, these times will be some of the most sacred times. Preacher, I think you said 24 years. And I'm sure it's not all been easy. But I bet you some of the sweetest memories you've got were probably just in the early years. When it was you and God, and it's still you and God, but you know what I'm talking about. Just the, the beginning stages. And now you start looking back and you look at the people that got planted. And they're just the pillars of the church. It's so exciting to see what the Lord is doing. I'm thinking about a man in our church. He, um, he was in the world and got saved. And he made this statement, I've never forgotten this. He said, uh, Derek, he says, I want to get so in that I couldn't get out if I, if I wanted to. If I got carnal and wicked, he goes, I want to get so uh, intricated with the, inter, uh, just it's so interwoven with the local church that I couldn't get out if I wanted to. And I remember him saying that, saying, you know what? I know my flesh and I know the devil. And I want to get so in that I couldn't get out if I wanted to. Because guess what? The day is going to come when we're going to stand before the Lord. And if that day were to be today, let's say the Lord were to come tonight or come tomorrow, every single one of us will wish that we were that, that much in. Okay, I'll give you just a couple thoughts and I'll be done. A couple quick thoughts about being planted in the house of the Lord. Would you look at Psalm 92 with me? I'll be done in about five minutes. But would you look at, with me at verse uh, number 13? 
Bible says, those that be planted, if you'll look there and talk with me just a little bit, those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall do what? What's that next word? Flourish. Would you say that word with me? Flourish. It says, those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the course of our God. That means to thrive. It means to grow. It means to uh, be prosperous. I don't know that anybody says, hey, I want to wreck and ruin my Christian life. We want to be prosperous. My son and I transplanted uh, a lilac tree. And uh, man, it looked awful. It ended up dying. And I learned that you're not supposed to transplant them in the summertime. You're supposed to do that in the fall or something like that. And uh, man, we were trying to get that thing to live and, and water in that thing. But it just looked so weak and so anemic. You want to know what? You look at the average Christianity today and it just seems so weak, so anemic. It needs so much care. And you want to know what? You take someone who's planted in the house of the Lord, God says they'll flourish. They'll be prosperous. doesn't mean that everything's going to work out, but your Christian life will be healthy. Your Christian life won't be famished. It will, be, uh, it will flourish. And if there's anything that this area needs tonight, it's Christians who other people can look at and say, that's what I'm looking for. That's what I want. Would you not agree with me? There's plenty out there that's not appealing. We would say things like this. Well, if that's Christianity, then I don't want it. If that's what Christians are like, then I don't want it. That's what we need to be. We need to be the real thing. We need to have our roots deep. We need to be planted in the house of the Lord so that we can flourish. And may I say this? The little children in our church need to have some young men, young ladies. They need some other teenagers. They need some older adults to say... That's what a Christian is supposed to be like. That's what I want to model my life after. Planted in the house of the Lord. They shall flourish. Secondly, if you look at verse number 14. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing. We see their flourishing. Secondly, we see their fruit. And I'm not just talking about soul winning and other Christians. I'm talking about your influence. You know what fruit is? When you talk about fruit, fruit is that which is produced. It's the effect of something. And after four, five, six, seven years in a church, your fingerprint, your influence in that church ought to show itself. Don't just come to sit on a pew, although that will encourage your preacher to be faithful. I'll tell you that. But don't let that be the end of your Christianity. Get involved. Get involved somewhere. Whether it's maintenance and cleaning and running a vacuum. Whether it's teaching a child's class or doing a, a children's program. Uh, whether it's uh, whatever it might be. Maybe it's cooking and the food tonight was great. Thank you so much. I think it was uh, from everybody here and things like that. But all of that. Hey, let me tell you. You say, well, does God really care about that? I mean, good night. Uh, he's got all these plans. He's trying to run the universe. Trying to deal with all these things. May I say this? God said this. Jesus said you give a cup of cold water in my name, it's recognized. If a cup of cold water is recognized in the name of Jesus, what do you think about a nice meal like we had tonight? Hey, everything that we do for the Lord, if we do it for the Lord, is recognized. And it's serving the Lord. There's fruit. You know what? Those of you that are just starting out at this church, five, ten years from now, there will be some teenagers, little kids, that got your spiritual fingerprints all over their lives. There ought to be, uh, uh, you're going to have, I'm sure, additions or different things that you're going to do here. And what's fun about going through our church, I can walk through and I can say, I remember when this wing was built. I remember when we raised the money to do this. I remember we never thought we'd be able to do this. And I remember this. And you walk through and you can see the evidence of a lot of people serving the Lord. They're flourishing. They're fruit. Lastly, we see their Father. 
those that are planted in the house of the Lord. The Bible says in verse number 15, to show that the Lord is upright, He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in Him. Why should we be planted? So we can say, hey, look at how great we are. What a wonderful church we are. Look at this great congregation. No, it's for the Lord. That they might see the Father. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. May I ask you a question? When people see your life, and they see you, what kind of idea do they get about your God based on your living? You say, I want to live in a way that's pleasing to God. Get planted in the house of the Lord and serve the Lord through the local New Testament church. Isn't it wonderful? Almost 2,000 years later, 2,000 years later, the local church, you get to be a part of the same thing that the early church was doing. Serving the Lord, winning souls, ministering, trying to make a difference. Say, so Brother Hagland, how do I do all this? i got to get planted in the house of the Lord. And why do I want to do that? Hey, so that we can, uh, so that we can flourish, so we can have fruit, and so we can glorify our Father. But I think the best thing is just to make a conscious decision to say, this is my church, this is my God, and this, for right now, at this time, unless the Lord moves me away, this is where I'm going to put my life and influence. There's so many wonderful things this church is on the horizon. So many wonderful things. I don't mind saying this. I've not talked to your preacher. I don't know him very well. We just kind of met a little bit tonight. We just talked a little bit on the phone earlier today. But if I know anything about any man of God, there's a whole bunch of ideas and a whole bunch of things that God has put in his heart. He's probably almost afraid to tell you. But it's going to be exciting. I love, we were in a church recently, uh, just uh, this weekend, and the pastor was celebrating his one-year anniversary. And uh, they showed um, some pictures, like a slideshow. And one thing I noticed, there was a lot of fun, a lot of fellowship, a lot of different things going on, and it all centered around the local church. You know, your life is going to center around something. Most people's life... Uh, it centers around them because they live in me planet. It's my world and, you know, it's all about me. But as a Christian, when you come to the end of yourself, you realize it's all about Him and it's all about serving Him. And when it's all over, if you found out tonight that you had terminal, terminal cancer and you had one month left to live, may I, may I be honest with you? I'd say the same thing. All that matters is what's done for Christ. And all that matters right now, whether you have cancer or not, is what's done for Christ. You say, where do I go? My challenge to you would just say yes. Say yes to anything you can do in the Christian life. I'll close with this thought. Um, I recently watched, uh, I think it's uh, Dateline NBC. I don't normally watch it. There's a reason I watch it. How many have ever seen that uh, Dateline NBC? They just last week, I think it was Tuesday night, they had their 20th anniversary. Did anybody catch that? Okay, I watched it on purpose because uh, how many of you heard about that story where there were some college students, they got in a horrible car accident, and it's that mistaken identity. There was a book wrote about all that where um, the, uh, the family was nursing their daughter, what they thought was their daughter, back to health. And as she got better, they realized this is not our daughter. 
this is the other lady. They kind of looked like each other. And the one family that had already buried their daughter and did a memorial service, it was actually the other family's daughter, but their daughter was still alive. How many had heard about that story? Uh, that family lives in our town of Galen. Uh, it's a youth pastor, a youth pastor's wife. I remember that little girl when she was in knee high to a short sheet. Uh, they go to another uh, church in, in our town. And, uh, and so I wanted to watch that because it was, it was very interesting. I know, I know those folks. But the first one, if you watched that, it was an interview with Michael J. Fox. And he had Parkinson's disease. And they were talking about all this kind of stuff. And the lady who was interviewing him asked him, they said, you're still doing acting and you have six children and you've got a marriage and you've got all this stuff and, and you've, you've got Parkinson's and you've raised almost a quarter of a billion dollars, $250 million uh, towards the studying of trying to, uh, to fix this and, and cure this disease and all that kind of stuff. And you're doing all this stuff. How did you not get bitter? How did you stay in? How do you stay so busy? And I found it fascinating. He said this. He said, that's easy. So I tried to say yes more than I say no. So I found out if I say yes, it opens up so many other doors for my life. May I give you a challenge to those who go to this church and those who go to Lighthouse as well? My challenge to you when it comes to your church, your local church, and the things that God has laid on your pastor's heart, and, the, and by the way, it's what God has laid on your pastor's heart that God has for your local church. My challenge to you tonight would be if you're going to get planted in the house of the Lord, the way to do that is say, hey, part of getting planted is just saying yes more than I say no. It ought to pain you if you can't be a part of something. It ought to bum you out if you don't get to be someone who gets to help uh, fix a meal for somebody or get to go uh, make a visit or help in some area or some capacity. I challenge you in your Christian life, if you're going to get planted in the house of the Lord, work at saying yes to the Lord more than you say no. Planted in the house of the Lord. Those that are planted, they'll flourish. They'll have fruit. And uh, it's all about glorifying their Father. Our eyes are closed. Our heads are bowed. I'm going to ask the preacher to come at this time and kind of take it from here. My challenge is get in. Get in all the way. There are thousands and thousands of churches across this country that have not dipped the flags that are holding high, that believe the Lord like you believe, that want to serve like you want to serve. There are hundreds of brand new churches across this country just like you. And what we need is a brand new generation to say, I'm in. Lord, I want to be planted. I'll say yes more than no. Let's all stand together with our heads bowed and eyes closed.